Welcome to Successful Aging, the podcast designed to introduce you to industry professionals who will share information and resources related to aging. I'm your host, Judy Porter, the Development Director from the Nashua Senior Activities Center. Let's get started. Good morning, listeners. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Paula Whittier, the Sales and Marketing Director for the Arbors of Bedford. Paula has been in senior care for many years, is so knowledgeable. It is amazing. She is also the host of her very own radio show on WSMN, uh, the Paula Whittier Show, where you can find out lots of information also about uh, issues that pertain to seniors. So we're fortunate to have her as our guest today. Welcome, Paula. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So today we're going to discuss um, the questions that people should be asking when they start looking for assisted living facilities for either a loved one, themselves, a spouse, a family member. And I know that you are an expert on this. I am. Well, I hate to say an expert on anything because I don't, an expert to me means that you know everything and I don't know everything, but I can try to find everything out for you. So I'm a good resource. Um, I just, I feel like now post COVID, a lot of people are going to have questions about coming back into looking at long-term care, whether it be independent, um, active adult, assisted living, assisted living memory care, or any sort of senior care, you know, people are hiding at home, they're isolating. And um, in some cases, that's fine. And in other cases, when there are caregivers involved that are working and maybe have children or other people to take care of, um, they may need to place their person with dementia. And that's what we do at the Arbors of Bedford with specialized memory care. Um, And they're having a very, very hard time with guilt, like do do I put my mother into a long-term care community after they had COVID? You know, is it safe to do that? Um, I'm overwhelmed here. Is it fair of me to say I'm too overwhelmed that this person could go into a community and possibly get sick and die? Because we know how hard COVID has been on the seniors in the communities. Um, it's just, you know, you live with other people and it just, it spreads like wildfire when people are older. A lot of people have um, pre-existing conditions, but some people are just older and it, it just hit them hard. I, I relate it very much to a flu that we had about nine years ago and it took out a great number of, of our residents and it was just very sad with this, you know, COVID, I never ex- expected to see what I saw. Um, we went over 300 days without it and people would say, God, you guys are so great. What are you doing? And I, and I would always say, we're doing everything that we're supposed to be doing. We're working really, really hard at doing that, but we've been fortunate so far. It can come from anywhere at any time. Anything could come from anywhere at any time. And we got hit and we got slammed. And I was in there because you can't sell during COVID. So I took a PCA class, so that that a personal care assistant class, so I could be in on the floor helping out. And I couldn't believe um, what was going on in there. I can't believe what the nurses and the aides had to do. I think we were so fortunate that everybody showed up for work. You know, it's amazing to me. We didn't lose associates, um, but now here we are. So now we're 
the, the positivity rate is down in the state and we can start taking admissions again. All of our residents and associates have um, tested negative and we continue to do our testing. And this is the same with other communities. So hopefully this will help everyone that's listening. Um, if you were looking at a community before, considering a community before, and you're fearful, call and ask questions, you know, um, you know, what's it going to be like? How come you think it's safe? What precautions are you taking? So things like that. We always, um, in, in the aftermath of all this, we bring a nurse in on our conference calls and our Zoom calls and things like that, which really, really helps people with their confidence. Um, we have been taking admissions and they've been safe and um, it's working again, but getting the confidence back of the adult children or the loved ones that have people with memory impairment or a need, a senior in need, um, they're scared. So I say just open the questions up, you know, call and, and ask, when did you have COVID? When are these tests? How do you know you're going to be safe? Where do I go online to look for information? You know, the state, the New Hampshire state website is amazing. There's a state call every afternoon that we listen in on. Um, actually, I don't think it's every afternoon now, it might be three times a week, but it's amazing the um, facts that people are putting out there. It's incredible how transparent everybody is. One, I mean, many things, many good things came from COVID. You can interrupt me if you want to, Judy, I'm a talker. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's all very important information. Um, many great things came from COVID. Like we learned how to, to work better as a team and closer as a team. We have, have more respect for each other because people just went in. They were, they just, even if they were a little fearful, they were like all about just taking care of each other, not just the residents, but we all had to take care of each other. You know, are we eating, are we staying hydrated? It was just like the wild west in there. Um, but I think that when people start to call and ask questions, I always try to um, let people know they can call me even if it's not arbors related. Okay, so um, it's very important to use the, the people in the community that have been in senior living for, I don't know, I've been, it's been 15 or 16 years now. Um, ask them questions. We're just people. We want to answer your questions. It's not all about the sale anymore. Lots of things have changed. Um, we want to get good information out. We want people to feel safe, but never, ever, ever am I going to take a chance on anything. I mean, morally, I can't say, yep, it's absolutely safe. You'll be fine. Nothing to worry about. Get your test. We'll make sure. Never, ever, because my thought is um, you need to make that decision. So let's get all the facts. Let's get um, nursing in. Let's get some people to give you, you know, some real hard facts and you need to make that decision. Um, and you have to really, I was just saying this the other day on my show, you have to balance out um, how hard is it for you at home? You know, don't feel guilty if it's breaking you down, taking care of a loved one with dementia and it's interfering with your children's lives or your work life. People are working at home. They're taking care of their children and homeschooling at home or their grandchildren. And then they have a loved one with an, a, a memory impairment or anything else. <clears throat> so well, I, I think a lot of people during the pandemic uh, we have seen a fair amount of cognitive decline in the phone calls we've made to seniors in some of the seniors that have come back to the Nashua Senior Center. So I think that some families may be starting to deal with um, having seniors at home that are having more cognitive decline than they had previously, than the family members may have realized previously. And so 
perhaps some families where they're in their own bubble are starting to say, wow, um, when we break out of this bubble and everyone is vaccinated, I don't know if it's going to be safe for my loved one to be living on their own. Right. Oh, yes. Yes. And I think that when you, you're taking care of people at home and you're living in your bubble, you are not able to create a, an emotionally secure environment because everybody is so stressed. I can remember when we just started hearing about COVID and all this stuff and the numbers and the news was nonstop and people were watching it nonstop. Like I finally was like, why am I watching these numbers? They're not making any sense to me. I know that there's this thing out there and I just need to kind of stay focused on what I do day to day. Very fortunate. My kids are grown. All I have to do is come to work back and forth, right? Go home to an empty house. Very, very lucky. But when you're living with an elder and perhaps children and other people, that elder, especially if they're memory impaired, they're certainly going to decline a little bit more. Everybody's depressed, they're nervous, they're stressed, and people can feel it. So if if a cognitively impaired person cannot verbalize what they want to say, which many, many can't, um, they're feeling the stress of everybody. They care. I always say, you know, if your loved one forgets your name or or things like any your so say you're the daughter. You could be the aunt, you could be the mother, you could be any female in the family or a friend that's a female to that person just instantly or here and there, whenever. Um, and I and they say, it's so depressing, it's so hard. And I'm like, but they feel you. They feel you and they know that you're a comfortable person that they love. They don't forget the love and the feelings. So it's just, they're mixing the name up and not able to verbalize or, or remember that certain piece. Um, so when you're in that bubble with all this stress, that person just kind of, I would think either quiets down because they have, they, they kind of become introverted or this, these behaviors happen. The emergency room was jam packed with people with cognitive impairment. And I don't know if you remember this, Judy, but that's one place that I always wanted to change. I always wanted a quiet room in the ER. I always wanted them to learn more about um, the approach with people with dementia. And I gotta tell you, they've come a long way. And, and after this, uh, actually we're starting to promote it again. We'll go in and try to educate again because it makes all the difference how you approach somebody. And, and, you know, if you're in a mixed household in this bubble and you have this person with a cognitive impairment and everybody's staying in and you have children talking and being nervous and, you know, children too took on a whole lot of stress. So it's just, it's just been hard for people, really, really hard. Um, but yes, people have declined. If they had a memory impairment, they, got, they, they declined during COVID more more than we know, you know, and there are so many people out there alone. I don't get it. Like you're more experienced with that. Like you are more of an outreach person in the community. So you can kind of reach out to the people that might be alone or you know maybe where to find them. I don't. And sometimes I think, God, somebody is alone and scared right now. And if they turn the TV on for company, it's just flooded with this COVID thing. People are dying and it's flipping back back and forth to other countries and numbers and it's got to be terrible so it is it is very scary the the number of people who um, we serve seniors in the community we're functioning at about 20 percent but we were the safety net for a lot of seniors in the community that did not have family members so they came in and they had this little safety net of friends at the senior center 
who would check on one another. And mm -hmm. so there's some of them are still calling one another. Some of them actually are doing FaceTime or Zoom calls. Love that. Um, Is that something you're teaching them to do? Because a lot of people don't know how to do that. A lot of people do not know how to do that. We have different uh, parts in our senior community. There are some seniors that are very smartphone and computer savvy, mm -hmm. some that are not, some that wanna learn. Yeah. And so we are right at the moment uh, hosting iPhone classes, how to use your yes, smartphone, how to use Zoom. They are socially distanced in-person classes limited to I think 12 people. Uh, yeah. The public health department told us the number of people we can safely have in various mm -hmm. classrooms. But for some of our most vulnerable seniors, I worry about them being isolated. Mm -hmm. And the, the pandemic hit the senior community in so many different ways because people don't realize that many people are working well into their 70s, their uh -huh. late 70s, their 80s. Sometimes it's by choice. Sometimes it's not that they really needed that extra money from that small job that they had. So now maybe they're having problems paying the rent and they're isolated and maybe they are food insecure. Food insecure, yeah. And maybe they don't want to tell that to their family members that they're living no alone and no they don't want to. They do not want to tell their children that they're not secure. You know, it makes them feel very bad about themselves. And so they'll go without. And that's, um, I always worry. I just worry, like, what more can we do? There's always a little something more that we can do. There's always a little, as individuals, you know, there's a little bit more. Are we looking around? Are we, are we seeing, you know, that house? Like, we never see the, a car there, but I know a person lives there. What are we doing about that? You know, maybe you don't go to the door because you don't want to scare someone. Maybe you leave something on the doorstep. Actually, today is the random act of kindness day. So that's, you know, you could drop something off to someone, but we need to be very, very aware of what we see. I know that when I go into a grocery store, I go anywhere in public, but mostly in the grocery store, I can identify people with cognitive impairment like that. And I know that they don't want to ask for help. They don't really know what they're looking for on the shelves. Then they're looking for their car and you're thinking, God, they're going to drive themselves home. There's nobody taking care of these people and they don't know how to ask for help. So we as healthy brain people need to be aware, learn the signs and do something about it and in, in, in the right way. So it's not insulting somebody or hurting them. There was a story once at Demolis a few years back that a gentleman was kind of had that lost look and one of the young baggers do you remember the story i do remember one the of the story. young baggers noticed and helped him like i guess he had the gentleman follow him home so he led him home with his car but what a great kid to know that he probably had grandparents at home There's so much more to the story but i'm like that's what we need people people using their healthy eyes and ears and brains and helping other people um, you know, it, there's, there's nothing wrong with helping people. It's like we, we distance ourselves, you know, somebody's, if there's a woman putting groceries in her car or having a hard time carrying something, what happened to that old neighborly way? Let me grab that for you. Let me do that. It's a little icy. Can I put, you know, I don't understand why we're not helping each other more. I see people walking past other people, like they're not even noticing. Yeah. And I think it's always important to ask the person. May I help you? 
Yes. Because sometimes they, you know, they they, they, they they want help, but they don't want to ask for it. And so if you ask, may I help you? You know, yeah. is there is there something I can help you with? That's always good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's caring about one another. It's that level of community and caring about each other and caring about seniors. We are a very uh, youth-centric society in the United States. We do not value our seniors culturally as much as in many other countries. And the pandemic, I believe, really highlighted that. Yeah, I mean, how do we change that? Because I think often I'm going to, I made a joke the other day to a friend and I'm like, I'm going to have my AARP card next year. (laughs) Um, And it's just so funny, but like, I think to myself, when do I become invisible? Because that's what it is. When do you become invisible? People become invisible after a certain age. And it's this, it's just our culture. It's what, and, and how do we change that? I know that like with my children, because they grew up with me in senior care, they're a little different, a little more old fashioned that way. And they, they're more aware. Um, but how does everybody do that? You know, how does everybody do that? It starts with our children because soon, like even in the business that I'm in, in uh, memory, memory care, they want young people to get into this industry as neurologists, as LNAs, as anything that they can do for seniors, because we're not going to be here forever. So we've got to get those kids interested. You know, like how do we do that? Um, well, I, I think it's I think it's continually having that conversation. You have the radio show. The Senior Center now has a podcast. I love it. And so it is continually staying in the forefront of showing people that you have to age, but you don't have to grow old. And that is the key thing. And to notice the people that are falling through the cracks in society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is is just staying in the forefront all the time and educating people that what was considered um, a senior years ago is no longer. Seniors are dynamic. They Mm -hmm. are learning. They are eating healthier. They are living longer. We've been talking with Paula Whittier, the sales and marketing director from the Arbors of Bedford. I'd like to thank Paula for joining us today. You can call or text Paula at 603-913-7630. Once again, that's 603-913-7630. We'll be continuing this interview with Paula in a later podcast episode, so be sure to tune in for that. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Successful Aging. Till next time, I'm Judy Porter saying, you may have to age, but you don't have to grow old.